swing and a drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And God. And they are the city of champions again. And the Tedeschos. Great cup kicks. McDavid set up by Drysaddle. Another breakaway. This time, he wins it. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome to a new era for Capital Region Sports Broadcasting Sports 1440. Very excited to launch things off. Today we've got a jam-packed show for you, but it is a new era. There's no question about that. Why is it a new era? Because about three months ago, All Sports Radio was taken away from so many listeners and so many people in the Capital Region, and there's been a void. Sports fans in our city and surrounding area deserve better, and we're going to try to fill that void. Uh, for the first time in a long time, we're adding to the sports scene in Edmonton. We're not subtracting. We're building and that's exciting for us, for sure. Uh, personally, 25 years in television here in Edmonton at ITV first and then global. Uh, I've seen the difference in the landscape change in the broadcasting industry. And this is so exciting to be a part of something new and something that is pushing forward. So this is your all sports station, Capital Region. We are going to be interactive. We have text lines, phone lines, everything. We'll get the numbers out to you with all that in a moment. But uh, we just want to get things rolling by introducing a few people on our team. First of all, my producer for the Kevin Carrius show is Brandon Douglas, the Duke of Delburn. Brandon, welcome aboard and looking forward to working with you here. Uh, just uh, your thoughts on getting going here this morning. I mean, excitement doesn't even begin to describe where we're at here. Like you said, the the void that's been in the city and, and the clamoring for, for content of a sports variety, both local and beyond. It's I'm pumped, pumped to be here bright and early and uh, glad to be aboard. All right. Thanks, Brandon. We'll talk and get to know you a little bit more as the morning and the weeks progress. But it's a big honor, a big privilege to uh, be in the same building with a broadcasting legend. Easy, Gregor. I'm talking about Terry Evans next door at K97. <laughs> but, uh, yes, Jason Gregor has come in. He'll be the uh, afternoon drive host uh, normally 2 to 6. Uh, you've heard him for many, many years uh, down the dial before that went uh, down the wayside. But Jason Gregor's come in this morning just to kind of tell you a little bit about our launch, a little bit about our vision, because Jason has been the guy that facilitated this. So, Gregs, go ahead. The, the mic's yours. Just kind of how tough was it to get this going and how excited are you to get it going? Well, first of all, a uh, big shout out to everybody who's listening right now on uh, Sports 1440. You want to text in? It's uh, 833-401-1440. Put it in your phone. We'll put it up on social medias everywhere. You save the number and then you away you go. So, uh, 833-401-1440. Uh, this this kind of come together uh, in, a, in a very short period of time that, that seems like a long period of time uh, when you think about it. Obviously, uh, we were done in the middle of June, and then I had to go to the draft, and I started conversations. I've worked with Susan Reed before, uh, also uh, Jay Downton at, uh, at the Nation Network, and so it, w it was nice to have a collaboration, but then you've got to have a lot of conversations. I, I felt like a little bit of a like a GM in a sense of, mm -hmm. of organizing a lineup and, and you know seeing which people were, were willing to come and who are interested in coming, and, and not just being the host like yourself, Kev, and then, of course, uh, you know Connor Halley, who's been on radio now for 10 years. I felt he was, he was ready for a show, and he'll have his show right after yours. And then we have a uh, low tide at uh, noon. Obviously, he's been around for a long time. The uh, 
the, the grandfather, I, sh- I think we'll call him, <laughs> of, uh, of Sports Talk Radio, and he's on noon to two, and then uh, myself, two to six. And I wanted to bring in some young guys. I got an opportunity from John Short many years ago, and sometimes you need an opportunity. So, you know, Brandon Douglas, I uh, was very high on him after meeting him uh, earlier this year, and uh, Declan Kruger's uh, being around the uh, the sports scene for a while, and, and he was ready for an opportunity. So I'm excited about our hosts and our, our producers and co-hosts, and then just really filling out the roster with a lot of different uh, guests. Uh, I know your co-hosts, Kev, in the morning, you know, we got uh, Hall of Famer and Grand Fear, yep. Ladislav Schmid, Eddie Steele, Lorianne Munzer, uh, David Schlemko. So a wide array of different guests. Uh, Terry Ryan's going to add a lot of humor. He's a great storyteller. Uh, also, uh, Sean Brown, who played a long time, former first-round pick in the National Hockey League. And then just a, a bevy of guests that we'll unveil as, as we go here. I don't want to list them all. It will take too long. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, Our philosophy on, on 1440 is, is going to be similar to what I've done. We want to give people uh, fun, uh, educated sports talk uh, with, with some strong opinions. Uh, we love interaction. Uh, the text line is, is obviously going to be a, an important part of the show. Obviously, you have a phone line. Uh, email addresses, uh, which we'll give out as as we go. Everything's up on the website sports1440.ca. Uh, also, what, what's unique about this is the the, the partnership we have with with the Nation Network. So uh, your show now is is being recorded, and uh, it'll it'll be uh, live. We'll have lots of clips that we'll uh, put across the uh, the social networks of of uh, Orders Nation on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and eventually, your show will also be live right on. Uh, on YouTube. Uh, to start, we're going to go with one just because there, there's a lot that goes into it and we didn't want to uh basically uh, uh put our digital team uh, in the ground before we start so uh, my show will start uh, digitally as well it'll be live on youtube on uh, orders nation so you can subscribe there uh, on facebook as well and uh, also for anybody out there listening you know um for the last two years i actually listened to the radio through the iheart radio app just because i like the signal it's a little bit clear i'm kind of a you know a radio nerd in that sense so you know what uh, if, you, if you don't love the uh, the signal strength wherever you're at i uh, highly recommend sports 1440.ca you can listen to it live there it's crystal clear also any of the apps the iheart radio app radio player app the stingray app they're all there they're free to download and uh, it'll uh, it'll enhance your uh, your listening pleasure. Kevin Carius, along with Jason Greger on Sports 1440. Once again, our text line is one 401 1440 As Greg said, put it in your phone. Our phone line is 780-451-8096. And you can email me anytime, Kevin at sports1440.ca. Not open email. You know what? I just got this laptop. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> As everyone knows from my days in television, I'm probably one of the worst technical guys going, but we'll see if we can. Yeah, you have a brand new laptop. A brand new laptop. I don't know. I got an email from the other day. I was like, who is this guy? We had to get it going at our uh, football draft. We had our NFL football draft. Figure out how to reach The draft was over. Yeah. Yeah, the draft was over before I got it going. But um, was there anything that surprised you getting this going? Was there anything tougher uh, that you thought might be or easier that you thought might be when you started to kind of get everything rolling here? Um, I I think it it, it was kind of easy taking a unique partnership that no one's done having radio and digital combination going. Um, It was funny. I was on an email chain. You talk about being technically uh, maybe uh, below average. So I'm on an email chain with the engineers and the computer guys. 
And dude, they're they're writing emails, and I'm like, why am I even on this list? Like, I know why I'm on here, but like, it was hilarious. Like, there was lots of verbiage and usage that I just completely didn't understand about how they were setting up a lot of different things so you can make everything work and the combination of radio and digital. So I found that uh, I always like learning new stuff, but this is one where it was a tidal wave of uh, stuff that I, I really didn't know. Even though I do have now, I guess a, a, a bachelor degree in technology from Nate, I, I should understand this more. So maybe I'll have to uh, I'll have to bone up on it. But I, I don't know if there was anything. It was, you know what? The thing that probably surprised me the most was our sponsors and how many of them, when I reached out um, before we made any commitment to, to partner up, I was I would told them about our vision. And so many of them, like 95% of, of my sponsors from our old show, the Jason Greger show, I've come on board and we have a, a lot of new sponsors already in your show and, and the fantasy frenzy with, with Hallie and Douglas and, and low tide. So, you know what, there's lots of Edmontonians and, and area people, you know, Leduc, Wetaskiwin, Beaumont, St. Albert, Spruce Grove, you name it, Shirt Park, that uh, people that were very interested and they feel like sports talk radio is something that's been around for a long, long time. Obviously John Short and Brian Hall started it uh, way back uh, many decades ago. And this is a diehard sports city. And uh, they care about sports. Just ask uh, Elks fans how mm-hmm. gut-wrenching that loss was. I know you'll get into it. Yes. Coach Jones is coming up. But it's to me, it was, it was almost humbling how many people talked about the connection they had with Sports Talk Radio and how much they missed it. And that, that was a big reason why, Kev, because, you know, I'd thought about uh, doing podcasts, and we're kind of doing podcasting and radio combined, which I think is awesome. Well, you were telling me about this text line, and I, you know, being in television, it's a lot different, uh, the technical aspect than what you guys have been used to. And just by looking at our text line, like I've got it up on my laptop, and there are literally a couple hundred texts already in the first seven minutes. Oh, buddy, you got to read the text. So, you got to let well, now, here, Here's one. a cool thing about our text line for yes. all of our listeners. Put your name on it once. We can save your text. Then, then we'll know who we're talking to again. You don't always have to put your name, but put your name, put a nickname. I don't care. Call yourself whatever you want. Norm in a combine, right? Uh, you know, you want to be Mac in Mill Woods. I don't care what your name is. If you don't want to put your real name, that's fine. But if you want your real name so we know we can attribute because the texters have a lot of good comments. They have a lot of funny jokes, a lot of good chirps, Carius. Uh, uh, I know, I know you like yeah. chirping, so well, uh, be I'm ready for it. it. Here's good morning, boys. I boycotted all radio until this sports station came back. Look forward to this new journey together. Thank you to everyone who has made it possible, the Stair Farmer. and th- I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. So so your show coming up 2 o'clock. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a preview of what's going on? Well, today, you know what? It's going to be kind of a welcome back show. Uh, also, uh, Struddy's going to join us in the in the first hour. Uh, Struddy's obviously uh, has been a part of my show for a long time. He'll continue to be just in a different role, and uh, he's going to explain why. And I, I think it's really important. Uh, I, I, was, I was very happy that he, that he was willing to come in and talk about uh, why he's making the change and and it's something that uh, you know what I think is just from a man perspective I think it's very important and from a father perspective so that's coming up today uh, you know we'll unveil some of our uh, our guests on the show obviously we're going to be talking about the uh, the fourth quarter in the uh, the for the Elks game last night my goodness that's a think about it they've lost they had lost 22 consecutive home games yes the loss yesterday might be worse than the 22 game home losing streak in essence because man they were right there you win that game yesterday now you're one back of Hamilton in the crossover you're tied with Calgary you got a chance to sweep potentially the Battle of Alberta, the Labor Day Classic, and, you know, you, you gas it in the fourth quarter. They just, you know, what happened? I'm, I'm very curious as to, to hear what Coach Jones has to say coming up in a few minutes. Yes, we're going to have Coach and GM Chris Jones coming up at 7.20 to kind of dissect it. You know, it's a situation where 
it's a young team. The maturation level is still building. The teams that are experienced learn and find ways to win those games and hold off their opponent. Right now, the Elks aren't in that classification yet, so they have to learn how to be that team. And that's a learning process. I think a lot of people are disappointed, upset that it's taken this long because people, let's face it, they don't have the patience. But for Chris Jones to come on right off the hop, we were all hoping last night it would be a victory. But for him to come off as our first guest, kudos to him. So we're looking forward to having him. And again, we've got just a jam, jam-packed show after Chris Jones. Uh, Glenn Gullitson from the uh, Edmonton Oilers coaching staff will be joining us at 740. Gullitson is driving up from Calgary. He has actually a really neat story. His daughter was in the Canadian fastball, sorry, the world fastball ball a little league world series so it's a little different than what the 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 baseball guys are doing but the the team was from calgary that's where gully lives uh and his daughter is a pretty good ball player and 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 glenn gulton his wife was a really good yes like well from hudson bay that's a really uh, hotbed hudson bay saskatchewan is a hotbed for fastball really oh yes was for years and years and years so and then our lineup continues on, and it is outstanding. At 8 o'clock, Mark Spector. Spector will join us every day at 8 o'clock. Our headliner of the day is Frank Cerevelli from the Daily Faceoff Show. At 8.40, we've got some open line. You can text us again, one 401 1440 or you can give us a shout, 780-457-8096, or text me or email me, kevin at sports1440.ca. 9 o'clock. I was kind of working on this guest for a long time, and I go back to 1993 with him when we were in Prince Albert. I was working in Prince Albert. He was the assistant coach of the Prince Albert Raiders, and now he's our police chief in town, Dale McPhee. Oh, so, no. Dale McPhee. You've probably a, met him a few times since, eh? Well, uh, you know, when he comes in, I was, I was thinking maybe he's going to be taking me out for some unpaid tickets or something like that. But, you know, uh, great guy well-versed in sports. And this is a guy that, again, four years in the Canadian Junior Hockey League for the uh, Prince Albert Raiders in the CHL. He was, uh, like, his old nickname used to be Mucker. That Did was he his play nickname. on the 86 team that won? He, 85. 85. So he played on the 85 team. And one of the things about that 85 team, I mean, they're just stacked. I mean, about a dozen guys went on to play in the NHL. But, uh, I mean, McPhee was like a... a integral part of that team. I mean, he's a top five, top six scorer. Emmanuel Viveros was on that team. Uh, you know, Dan Hodgson had like 180 points or whatever it was. Uh, the, the the big thing for them and that, that team, because I followed it a lot, they won almost all the games and they didn't have any tests really until the Memorial Cup. And I think they might have lost their first game in the round robin and then rolled over everyone else. So, And then 10 o'clock, and how cool is this to have every Tuesday, Grant Fuhr. When I told you about Grant Fuhr, you were like, how, what do you mean? You can get Grant Fuhr on every Tuesday? So what did you think when I kind of talked to you well, about that? No, that's that? great. You know, and I had a conversation with, uh, with, with Grant uh, afterwards, and, you know, he's pretty excited. He's, he's, doing, uh, he's been a color commentary, doing pre- and post-game uh, for Coachella in the American yeah. League. He's loving it. Uh, he's enjoying being in the media. And he's going to be, you know what, he's got some unreal stories to tell about as a player, obviously as a coach, uh, as a goalie coach in the NHL for some time. And uh, he's really up to date on the AHL, which I think, uh, uh, you know, order fans are going to like because, you know, the orders in the next 
next few years, they're going to need some of these young guys, Borgo, you know, Holloway this year, Lavoie potentially. Mm-hmm. They're going to need some of those guys to get to the next level for sure. All right, Greg, thanks uh, for coming in this morning. I know you got a lot of work to do yet before you get your show. Good luck this afternoon and two. And uh, thanks for kind of facilitating this and bringing it all together for Edmonton and area sports fans. Well, Kev, I'm happy that uh, you want to join the ride. Yep. And to, to all of our listeners and, and the text line, uh, we'll teach Kev how to read the text line. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm trying my best. got to get his readers on. Give me my best, but, yeah. Uh, exactly. We appreciate all your texts coming in already. Uh, put your name on it once, and then uh, we can save it in the system. Then we have it all the time, so we know who we're talking to. Uh, our listeners are a huge part of this, and all of our sponsors, everybody who believes in us. We really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Have a great show, Kev. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Uh, we're right uh, back after the break with Edmonton Elks head coach and GM, Chris Jones. This is the Kevin Carrius Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the Kevin Carrius Show on Sports 1440. We're just awaiting uh, Elks head coach and general manager Chris Jones to give us a ring as he is our first ever guest here on the show. And well, I'm sure a lot of uh, Elks fans watched that game last night, uh, five o'clock start in Calgary to kick off uh, the Labor Day home and home. I've always said, I've been talking about this for years and years and years, that the CFL the Elks and the Stampeders have to get back together and get on the same page and have the rematch here on Friday. Um, there was a lot of talk with the CFLPA and a lot of talk with, uh, you know, coaches, GMs, that it was too hard on the players. But the fact that it was the back-to-school game in Edmonton and there were more fans on that Friday night game than basically any other game during the season is a testament to how important that game was on a Friday and not at eight o'clock. No, it would be a seven o'clock kickoff. So no double header. Um, I think that was a testament to the fans and how much they enjoyed and appreciated coming to that rematch game. So, they said, well, it was just too many or too close to apart or too close together. The, the, the days were too close for the players and they couldn't put a good product on the field. Well, in the last 10, 12 years or so, what, whatever it's been, the NFL has been doing the same exact thing from Sunday to Thursday. So it's a situation where I really think that it should be revisited. What would you rather have? 55,000 on a Friday night? The Elks players go into the schools like they did over the course of the week because there's not a whole lot of practice. Yes, there's film. There's, uh, you know, they're not exactly putting the pads on in the three days, but the players used to go to the schools and they would give out tickets and they would physically meet with the kids, hand out tickets. They would give these tickets to the kids and then the kids would bring their parents and the stands would be packed. And I think that's something that the CFL and the Stan Peters and the Elks should probably uh, revisit. Anyway, as for last night's game, uh, very tough. The Elks had a, well, they're they're up in the fourth quarter, entering the fourth quarter. They get outscored 22-3 in the fourth quarter. Basically, Calgary took it to another level and took it to the Elks in the fourth quarter. 35-30 won the final. Gregor mentioned it before he left. If the Elks were able to win that game, now they go in to the home-and-home sitting pretty good they're sitting in a position where you know the playoffs are still a possibility now the playoffs just aren't there brandon were you able to have a gander at the game last night were you able to kind of look at the game watch it a little bit i know you're busy preparing for the show but was there a a couple moments that kind of caught your eye if you had a chance to look at it so i caught the second half of the game kevin and which as a Elks fan was the worst half of the game to watch of course they started off so strong but outside of the disappointment of the loss like 
the the performance by Trey Ford, I think, is what really stood out. He was he was terrific. He was getting some very laudy comparisons by people across the league uh, after the game. So it, apart from the the disappointing and uh, collapsing type loss uh, at the end of the day, I thought that Trey Ford was was tremendous in in that loss. Trey Ford. He was 137 yards passing through the air, had one touchdown. But, I mean, on the ground, that's where he was simply amazing. Had 11 carries for 135 yards. I think a lot of people are talking about the run that he had in the third quarter. I think it was a 33-yard run, but he probably ran 100 yards to get that 33 yards. Um, at that point on the broadcast, on the broadcast on TSN, they showed a little interview that they did with Chris Jones, and they uh, pre-produced those interviews the day before. And Jones was kind of saying, yes, I understand that you can't compare this guy to Doug Flutie, but that was Doug Flutie-esque, and even Glenn Suter on the broadcast mentioned it as well. A, a simply amazing performance by Trey Ford, and you know he's the quarterback of the future here. There's no question about that. Kevin Brown also had a great game on the ground. And, and again, even in the third quarter, Brown... Was uh, and the fourth quarter, to be honest with you, he, he actually rushed a lot better in the uh, third and fourth quarter than he did as the Elks were trying to seal it down. Uh, Kevin Brown finished with 89 yards rushing. So, I mean, when Gregor was here, we talked about the maturation level of this team. It's still building. Um, 0-9 isn't where they want it to be to start the season. They reel off the two wins. Yes, the wins were against Ottawa and Hamilton. Um, we know where those teams sit in the standings, and but now the Elks are really up against it. They're going to have to win this game and go on a bit of a roll to try to get things going as far as the playoff picture is concerned, which is very, very minimal, we know. Defensively, the offensive line and the defensive line were pretty darn good, actually, up until the fourth quarter. Maybe the def- defense got a little tired. We talked uh, about that with uh, Chris Jones, and we're going to talk about it. I think we've got Chris Jones on the line. Have we got Chris Jones, Duke? All right, Chris, can you hear me? Uh, yes, sir. Hey, Chris, thanks for doing this. You're our first ever guest on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carrier Show, and I know after a tough loss it's always difficult to come in, but just your overall thoughts on last night's game. Uh, you know what? I was proud of our efforts. Um, again, we played uh, pretty clean football until the end of the third quarter. Unfortunately for us, uh, you know, there were a lot of real tough calls, uh, untimely calls on our part. Uh, you know, we got the hold there late in the game that, you know, I've, I've watched it seven or eight times today. It was, a, it was a tough one, you know. I mean, it can be called on every play. Unfortunately, we got called on a 20-yard game, which, uh, which could have ended up selling the game if we go ahead and finish right there. That was that was probably one of the most uh, the, the biggest factor, and then the the two PIs are are very close. I mean, they can be called either way, uh, you know. And we just took too many penalties and had too many mistakes down the stretch um, on the last drive. I think that PI penalty you're talking about was that last one that uh, took the score, I believe, to 31-28 with the two-point convert. Um, You know, everyone is really, they don't really know what PI is, it seems. And I know you can't really say really what's on your mind because you don't want to get into trouble. But um, the one thing that I kind of noticed yesterday, too, was there a little change that you feel in the flow of the game when the official Croker had to be replaced? Was that any difference in your mind? Uh, you know what? I, I didn't even 
quite honestly, you're bringing that to my attention. I didn't know anybody had to be replaced. You know, I, I'm, my focus is strictly on our ball players and uh, where it should be, actually. And so, uh, like I say, man, I, I, I feel for the guys. They were, they played really hard. Uh, we just have to find a way in the fourth quarter. I mean, you take uh, two Saskatchewan games in the fourth quarter defensively where we where we uh, allowed them to go the length of the field to score, you know, late in the game and then last night's game and then even the Winnipeg game we had the uh, when we had the big lead. I mean, we've got to play better defense down the stretch and and uh, you know, and it's a combination between, you know, our penalties and then a miscommunication here or there or a misalignment here or there or jumping out of our gap. I mean, it's a combination of, of things defensively, but uh, you know, I'm proud of there a lot of young guys out there and I'm proud of their efforts. Chris Jones is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show here on Sports 1440. Uh, Chris, how does a team find a way to win those games? How does it mature to that level where you can close them out? I think a lot of it's being there, being in the moment and realizing that uh, the first drive is just as important as the last drive and, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. To, you don't have to make the super play. Just make the routine plays. Make sure you get lined up. Make sure the communication's there. And then just, just execute defensively. I mean, uh, we had a pretty simple game plan going in and and uh, unfortunately there at the end of the game we, it got away from us. Chris, when you look at the play of Trey Ford, um, on the broadcast yesterday, you did the interview, I believe, the day before, and you, you were kind of watching yourself about how you were comparing him to a Doug Flutie when he was younger. But what can you say about what Trey Ford has done since he came in and what he did particularly yesterday? Well, I mean, we knew when we drafted Trey a couple of years ago, I mean, we knew how dynamic he is athletically and allowing him to hopefully be able to, you know, uh, graduate from a, a CIS level quarterback to a CFL quarterback because, uh, the, you know, even from the NCAA, we've had plenty of guys come up and, and it's a different game. I mean, it's uh, the jump from college football to pro football is, is a huge jump. But, uh, you know, Trey is a tremendous, tremendous athlete, probably the best athlete to ever uh, play quarterback in the league as far as athleticism. I mean, a guy that runs a low 4-4 and verticals 40 inches, there's not too many of those around. So, And, and if he can continue, continue to develop as a passer and um, – you know, there's the sky's the limit for the kids. So he can uh, he can really do some dynamic things with the ball in his hands. Our text line is at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. This one comes in from Kings of Fort Nasty, and it says to ask Chris Jones how he's feeling today after he took a couple of hits on the sideline yesterday. Uh, I mean, it's a, a pretty dangerous spot out there when you're trying to watch the ball and watch some other things, and the play's coming at you. Uh, there was a couple close calls for you. How did you look at that? Yeah, well, earlier in the year uh, in the Toronto game, I barely got bumped and uh, uh, beat up my knee a little bit, and so I was trying my best to stay out of the way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. What did you think of the play of your, your defensive line in the first half, and was it just a fact or a, a process where Calgary started to get to them a little bit more in the fourth? But, I mean, up until that point, the defensive line really showed a lot of penetration. 
Well, we didn't we didn't do a great job in the second half. We gave up the edge too much. He he extended. You know, he's not really a, a guy that's going to try to take off and run with the football. And you know, we've got to know who's got the the edge of our defense. And uh, if you look at uh, you look at the game very closely, there's a few times where we've got them covered, and yet we give up the edge and allows him that extra you know one and a half or two seconds to find the open receiver. I mean, and if you give a, a quarterback that can throw like he can throw uh, that you know that extra click or two, then he's going to find the open receiver. And that's what in the second half we didn't do a great job of collapsing the pocket on him. Chris Jones is our guest, head coach of the Elks, and uh, the rematch is Saturday. Chris, before you came on, I kind of addressed to our uh, listeners about back in the day when they had it Monday and Friday. Uh, is that something that you think could ever come back, or has that gone by the wayside? Because as you know, that Friday night game was always really buzzing with you know a packed house. We were talking, uh, the last time I saw you was at, uh, at Terry Vaughn's uh, uh, retirement uh, ceremony, went in on the Wall of Honor, and you know they talked about it, Rick Lawless sure in, in in the interview from 20 years ago uh we'll have 62,000 people in the stands on a friday night so is that something you think could ever come back and would you welcome it back well i mean again uh we just kind of comply as players and coaches we just pretty much comply to whatever schedule the cfl gives us i mean i think uh in today's game you know player safety has become an issue and you know and and more to the forefront so playing a you know if four days apart that that makes it really you know tough on the players but again it's been done for years up here so like I say we just pretty much show up and play and and coach when they when they tell us to so it's uh whatever's best for the league in the in the big picture so Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440. Chris, I just wanted to branch off and talk about a few other subjects with you and going back when you first got into coaching. like What got you into coaching and what was it that you thought that this could be your career path because you are a career coach? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was a poor kid growing up and it gave me something to be involved in. Um, you know, as I grew up and, and a lot of my coaches were kind of father figures for me and, and – uh, it, it allowed me to, to realize what a coach could, you know, mean and, and what a difference they could make with a kid. And again, I'm, I'm, I love youth football, I love high school football. And, and, um, you know, I think that's, that's the one thing that kind of drew me to it. And, uh, you know, my grandmother, she, you couldn't read or write, and my granddaddy was a coal miner, and uh, they used to tell me that you're never going to work a day in your life, you know. So I finally found something that I could do where I can just go play and, and enjoy, you know, being. Today's not necessarily the right day to ask me that because it's a tough yeah. one, you know, after, after a, a loss like that to, to Calgary. I mean, those are, are uh, monumental, you know, in your mind. But, you know, this is what, what we do, and, and I don't think you ever get into coaching for like a job. And that's why we appreciate you coming on like 12 hours after a, a tough, tough loss from South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. And uh, again, when I interviewed you earlier uh, this year, you were talking about a couple instances when you played high school football and then moved on from there. Can you kind of just tell our listeners about your playing days and, and what type of player you were and how that factored into you becoming the coach that you are? Well, I wasn't a very good player. Let's just say that. I, you know, when I went, I, was a, I guess I was a decent little high school player at a small level. But then once uh, once I went to college, you know, I played. Uh, I was an All-American way back. They kept me way back off the field and didn't let me play a whole bunch. So. 
how tough uh, when you when you went you were in Alabama and that was uh, well quite a long time ago. But how did you get to Alabama and what was your story about being a graduate assistant? Uh, I guess it's uh, what late nineties it was. Yeah, uh, I was there in '96, I think it was, with Coach DeBose. Coach DeBose was a defensive line coach, and I had uh, I coached high school football uh, in North Alabama, and I, I went down and and uh, would just try to study with a lot of defensive line coaches. Uh, Ed Uzeron was another one that I kind of followed around when he was at Miami and Syracuse, and then Coach DuBose was a very well respected defensive line coach during that time at uh, the University of Alabama. So I tracked down there a couple, three times and, and uh, kind of got to know him. And then when uh, he got an opportunity to uh, to hire me when he got the head coaching job, he, he gave me a call. I was at West Alabama uh, where Otha Foster and uh, Dion Lacey and those guys are all from. I, I was there coaching for, for a while. So you've been in the CFL game uh, minus a little bit when you, you went down uh, to Cleveland for about a quarter century now. So what is it about the, the CFL game that, that strikes your fancy? Well, I mean, I used to watch it back when, when it was on in the 80s when the ESPN first came on. They used to show the, the CFL games at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I used to actually go sleep and wake up so I could watch, uh, you know, the Edmonton Eskimos and and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think Duda Brock was the quarterback then at the time who's from Alabama or played in Alabama. So I uh, used, to, used to really watch them and just kind of, struck up uh, an interest and a love for the league way back then. Well, Chris, I know you got film to break down and appreciate you coming on after a tough loss. Um, all the best uh, in the rematch on Saturday, and uh, I think you can kind of feel that the season's turning around after a tough loss and a tough uh, tough 0-9 start, I should say. But uh, thanks for doing this, and, uh, and best of success uh, moving forward. Well, I appreciate it, man, and I hope the, the fans out there know, I mean, uh, got a young roster, and I'm not saying this for myself. I'm saying it for the for the kids uh, that we have. I mean, we've got like 13 rookies, and hey, we dressed 23 first or second year ball players last night. So, you know, and then our oldest quarterback's only been in the league three years. So, I mean, just uh, just hang in there with this group because they are uh, they're they're athletic. Uh, they're still figuring the game out, but. Uh, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years as they as they mature and realize exactly what they can be. All right, Chris, thanks for doing this, and uh, good luck on Saturday against Calgary. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That's uh, Elks head coach and GM Chris Jones on Sports 1440. Uh, that game Saturday it usually is a really solid uh, attendance-wise. When you look at the, the people that come out, uh, it's always one of the best attended games of the year. Hopefully we can uh, see a good crowd at Commonwealth on Saturday for the uh, rematch. Coming up uh, right after the break, we'll have Edmonton Oilers assistant coach Glenn Gullitson. That's on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrier Show. Uh, boy, a lot of text coming in on our text line at one 401 1440 A lot of texts, uh, well, basically saying a little upset with the Elks and how they uh, kind of disappointed in the fourth quarter, had a chance to really get this week off to a good start with a possible home-and-home home victory over Calgary. Obviously, that is not happening, but uh, we wish the Elks very best on uh, Saturday. All right, let's bring in uh, our next guest, Glenn Gullitson from the Edmonton Oilers, uh, driving in from Calgary to get ready to kick off another season. Gully, 
Always good to talk to you and good to hear you. And, oh, I think we just might have lost Gully. So, anyway, Glenn Gullitson is just driving up from Calgary. Gully, can you hear me? Yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I'm just... Uh... I'm heading through Red Deer, so uh, who knows what's going on. <laughs> well, what, are you going to stop in there on Gasoline Alley, pick up and stop for what? Yeah, that's my usual stop, but not today. Not today. I'm trying to make up some lost time. Well, really appreciate you coming in as you uh, drive up to get ready to kick off the season. Uh, it's still a... You know, a little ways away before camp gets going. But before we start talking hockey, I wanted to talk to you about uh, your summer and how it went. And you had a little trip to Delaware, I believe, to support your daughter and cheer her on. Can you kind of explain to our listeners why you were there? Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, it was probably the highlight. Of, well, it was the highlight of my summer. Is uh, I have a 16-year-old daughter, Grace, who... Um, who uh, Play softball, competitive softball, and uh, you know, up in Edmonton, Calgary, and uh, she got picked up by a, uh, a little league team, and they went out to uh, from Calgary, and they went out to Halifax. She's a pitcher, and um, they actually won Canada for little league in softball for U six, you know, sixteen and under girls. So they, um, so they were in Halifax for like five days. Uh, they beat the Vancouver team two one in in the um, final, and they were the so they were the they were Team Canada in essence for the little league for for girls softball, and that tournament they flew from Halifax right into to uh, to Philadelphia, and the tournament was played at Roxana, Delaware, right off the coast uh, in, in Delaware, beautiful area. So they were there for uh, six days representing Team Canada. Uh, and they got all swagged out, you know how they, uh, the little league gives, you know, the Team Canada uniforms, Easton is, is the bats and, and the shoes and all that stuff. So uh, a great, a great uh, seven days for me to be out there and, and, and watch some softball. You know, it's funny, it doesn't matter how old you are, what sport you are, anytime you get to put the maple leaf on your jersey and represent our country, it just takes it to another level. So what did the team think about that kind of, representing Canada on the world stage. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat. You know, those games are televised in the U.S. on ESPN and uh, uh, I believe ESPN Plus. And, um, you know, even for me, you know, I, I told my daughter how, how much, uh, um, you know, how lucky she was to wear the Maple Leafs. And uh, there she is sitting on the third baseline in, in O Canada's plan. I got a little choked up when I, when I first watched it. I thought it, I thought it was pretty neat. It's always neat to represent your country. It was pretty, it's, it's pretty special. Oilers assistant coach Glenn Gullitson is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. You can text us at 1-833-401-1440. And you can email me, Kevin, at sports 1440.ca. So, uh, Gully, now you're back on the way to Edmonton. Now your focus is, and probably its focus is on 24-7 on the Oilers' upcoming season. Um, just how excited are you to get back? And you, you kind of get the feeling from all the players that there's so much unfinished business uh, from last year. But how excited are you to get rolling here in the next couple of weeks? Well, yeah, I've, I've, you know, Kev, I've been here for, this will be my sixth season, and, um, you know, during this time of the year, I'll be honest with you, that 
you know, sometimes guys straggle back. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of trying to get out of summer mode. Uh, you know, you, you, we don't start until the middle of the month, so you're you're, you're nipping away at a few things. And, and but this year, honestly, honestly, has a different feel. And and um, you can sense from the players we've talked to the players this summer, and 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 even the coaches. There's a real sense of of wanting to get back to Edmonton, uh, wanting to start this off. There's a real there's a real pit in, in, in a lot of guys' stomachs, um, and I, I, I quite frankly love it. It's probably been the first summer for me that I'm making this drive where there's where there's uh, just a real excitement to get back and see everybody and, and kind of get back going. And I know people talk about that all the time, but I, I can't help but think it's a real feeling. I can't help but think, is this the feeling that Tampa Bay had when they lost to Columbus, is this the feeling, you know, that uh, that other teams have went through when they felt they were in their window to win and just maybe fell short? For sure. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Glenn. It's exciting to come back. It, it, it truly is. It feels different than any of my six years, I'll tell you that. Well, that's a cool attitude and a cool perspective uh, to share. Our text line, one 401 Mike in the 349 wants to know, uh, Glenn, are there any new tricks in the playbook for the power play, which operated at an insane rate uh, last year? But um, it's for you, it's kind of when you send uh, those guys out the door, it, it kind of <laughs> goes itself in a lot of ways. But uh, just kind of touch on how the power play worked last year and the success that it had. Yeah, you know, it, it's like one of those years, uh, you know, if anyone played or you're in a sport or, and just you, you have one of those years where, where everything goes, goes well for you and uh, um, you get some puck luck. You know, there were, there were a lot of years with our power play over the last, you know, five that I've been there where we, we've either ranked one or two in, 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 in all the stats for generation of chances and quality chances. You know, we're, we were always there. But, but last year was probably the first time that we finished, you know, uh, number one in chances generated. But I think we were one or two in, in, in converting on those chances. So, um you know, it's kind of like everything came together. You know, and sometimes a player gets 100 points, sometimes he gets 80, sometimes he gets 93. You just never know. You know, obviously with those five players, they have such tremendous skill. Um, they've, they've highly evolved themselves on the power play over the last five years. They can beat off each other, which is very instinctual. Um, you know, they're always going to be pretty good. Uh you just don't know if they'll score at the same rate. So to answer your question, is there any new tricks? You know, penalty kills have kind of evolved here a little bit in the last bit. Um, some things, I think, uh, in penalty kill-wise that are born of trying to defend maybe an Oiler-type power play. So we've always prepared those in, you know, in the summer. We always go through and, and take a look at all the new nuances with, with penalty kills. So we've got a couple little things that we certainly – we're prepared for um but at the end of the day these five players if they get out there um we, we, we want them to play with the structure we've set inside but we also want them to use their their instincts 
Glenn Gullitson, Oilers assistant coach, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440, as we launch our first ever show and our uh, first ever day on broadcasting from the West Edmonton Mall Stingray Studios. Very excited to uh, get things underway. Um, so, Gully, when you have a unit that is, uh, you know, a five-man unit like you have, and they run, a, you know, a lot of times they'll run a minute and a half easy. So how do you prepare that second unit to kind of go in and say, I don't want to call them the mop-up crew, but it's the second unit coming in to maybe see what they can do in a short allotted time. How do you implement that? Well, you know, where we put our focus there, and, and, and uh, you know, it's such a short, it, 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 they are only getting 30 seconds, so if uh, you kind of look at that little snapshot, Obviously, they usually start with a breakout because it's when the other team has iced it or put it down after a certain amount of time. Um, you know, they're always starting from a breakout. So uh, we put emphasis on the breakout with them as um, they have to be good in that area because when they when they come in, you know, they, they may only have 20 seconds. So we focus we focus a little bit on them on the breakout and being able to attack off the breakout. So being a quick strike. So not, not to the traditional, let's get in and set it up. Uh, it's usually more of a five straight ahead, a little bit of a rush attack breakout so that we can get maybe one chance off, off a breakout. And then, uh, we also have to look at a lot of quick hitters because now we're dealing with the clock. So, you know, we, we don't have time to, to move it around uh, 20 times in order to, to, to get a chance. So we've got to be, be a little quicker in our pace and in our in our mindset in, in how we're going to attack the net. So we do that off the rush. Uh, we also do that off, you know, we, we train the face-offs to be good from either side. And then the other thing is we, we look for a quick attack when we're in zone. So we, we, we really want to get that puck to the net within five or ten seconds. So there is a little different mentality in that second unit. And it all is, you know, sometimes, you know, in our game, they say that, you know, the clock's the best coach. Well, for that second unit, you know, we're working off the clock. Correct, yeah. Uh, a lot of text coming into our text line on one player in particularly in our text line, one 401 They want to get your thoughts, uh, Gully, on uh, Connor Brown, who the Oilers signed uh, in the offseason. What kind of player can we expect from Connor Brown um, because he has the, the pedigree, obviously he has the, a history with, with Connor McDavid, but what are you expecting from Connor Brown? What can he bring to this team? Well, you know, we, we had the chance in the bubble uh, just playing Ottawa so many times so that, you know, I got to watch him play and, you know, when you, when you watch other teams, you know, you're not dialed in on any guy, but certainly you, you, you see the guys that stick out a little bit and for for a real quality two-way player, he stuck out for for, for me. It's just uh, you know he, he was he was out there for the power play. He was out there for the penalty kill. He touched a lot of areas of the game. You know you could see his um, you know he's very trusted by the coach. You could really see a two-way game. He, he he had some pace to him. So you know for me, uh, knowing that player a little bit, I. I it was kind of like Zach Hyman when we played Toronto so many times in the bubble. You're like, who is this guy? Like, we could use a player like this. And, um, you know, now fast-forwarding two years, we, you know, obviously Heisey's here, and, uh, and now Connor Brown's going to join us. I just think um, 
for lack of a better description, um, they're just hockey players. You know, they touch a lot of areas of the game. Uh, they can they can play a lot of positions. You know, you you know they 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 PK, they power play the last minute of the game. You know, they can play some three and three. It's just a really trustworthy player, and and I think we're we've got a real good collection of hockey players going here in Edmonton. Well, there's no question about that. There's uh, a lot of great players that will be donning the Oilers Silks next year. I just wanted to get maybe one or two last thoughts on uh, maybe the bottom six, uh, Glenn. Where, uh, you know, every team, the way they seem to be getting built is heavy on the top six. And then, you know, you got to hope for some contrib- contribution from the guys that are on the, the bottom six, especially the bottom three. So how do you see that playing out this year? Yeah, I, I think we've got tremendous contributions from those guys last year. I mean, you, you, you talk to any guy around the National Hockey League and they'll tell you if they played on the uh, third and fourth lines in Pittsburgh with, with uh, Malkin and Crosby, that it's not easy because those guys take such a big chunk of the game, right? And they get a lot of the prime real estate. And... Um, it's the same with with our team, and it's so it's not easy being a bottom six when when you're top heavy like that, and especially with two superstars. And I thought our guys did a tremendous tremendous job doing that. I think you know Ryan McLeod um, with the pace that he can play at is is a natural guy that that can make things happen in a short period of time. And again, with not a lot of good real estate to deal with all the time, D zone starts that sort of thing, and. Um, I think our guys have done a really good job. I, I like the way our bottom shape shaping up. In those bottom six, sometimes you need a lot of specialists. And, uh, you know, Yanmark is, is, a, is a really good penalty killer. He's a, he's a solid penalty killer. I think that's a huge one. Warren Fogels, you know, he's got he's got a quick strike ability. He's got some really uh, – uh, he, he's got an unbelievable shot. It doesn't take him – much to, to score. I know he gets a few breakaways, but with that shot and, and, and that work ethic, you know, these guys are almost, again, quick strike guys, almost like that power play I was talking about. I, I like our bottom six. They've got speed. Uh, they got some size. they got grit. Uh, they, can, they can play specialty positions. I, I think the way that we handled that last year, I thought that was a strength for us uh, as much as anything else. Hey, Gully, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Uh, wish you all the best. Drive safe, and uh, we'll see you when you get back in town. Hey, no, no problem, Kevin. Uh, anytime you need me, I'd, I'd love to come on. Oh, perfect. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you when you get back to Edmonton. Yep. That's Oilers assistant coach Glenn Gullitson fired up about the upcoming season. Uh, hey, time now for our uh, first ever sports update brought to you by the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas. Uh, this sports update brought to you by First Round, where you can watch NFL football at First Round Monday and Thursdays and, of course, Sundays. And you could also win a trip to watch your favorite team next year.